You're home for the all-new Brian Suits Morning Show. 770 KTTH Seattle. 94.5 K233DT East Lake. 94.5 K233BU Seattle. The following is a paid program on this station. Aging options. How can we help? It's time to know your options and master your future. My life, my plan, my way. LifePoint Law presents Aging Options with elder law attorney and life planning coach Rajiv Nagayich. Health, housing, finance, legal, and family. Know your options. Aging Options is not a law firm, but Rajiv is a lawyer. You should not reveal things you wish to keep confidential in this public setting. This program offers general advice. Having your questions answered does not create an attorney-client relationship. Contact your attorney or other professional to discuss your unique needs before taking any action related to the subjects discussed in this program. Now, here is nationally recognized retirement planning authority and host of national public television program, Master Your Future, Rajiv Nagayich, as well as his co-host, Tariq Ansari. Well, welcome to another edition of Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagayich. You know, I was looking for the empty seat. I was looking for my co-host, uh, Tariq Ansari. He is unfortunately down with a sore throat and not in action today. But nonetheless, you are in action today. And isn't this interesting that, you know, life kind of continues. However life evolves, you know, life is always going to continue and you are here. And this show is all about you. So if you have any questions, this is the time. If you have any questions about retirement planning in any of its genres, this is a good show for you. Each we pick each week, we pick four stories which you, we think that are important to you. And the first one this week that I want to talk to you about is the new reports that are coming out about Medicare. They're not so good. Medicare, as we know it, could really run out of money by 2026. At least a part of the Medicare program, part A of the program, could run out by money by 2026. And that's the part that pays for your hospital visits and, and surgeries and all the big procedures. So what does that mean? And what can you do to go ahead and move the needle so we can salvage it? We'll talk about that story. Another story that, that kind of caught my eye this week is it turns out that about 70% of Americans have not engaged in any estate planning, right? I mean, there's only a small number of people who do estate planning. And if you don't have a will, if you are one of those few people who does not have a will, here, according to Next Avenue, the, the, the article that I looked at, here's probably why you don't have it. And I think you don't want to be there. We'll talk about that story. The third story that we are going to talk about is, I absolutely love, it was in U.S. News, it talks about, you probably love your doctor. Whoever your primary care physician is, you probably absolutely like the person, and you have no reason to go ahead and say that I want to leave. But is this the right fit for you? Is this doctor that you have, is he the right fit for you? We'll talk about that. It's a great article. And finally, we'll talk about a concept called the trusted contact. This comes from Liz Weston, who talks about a lot of retirement issues, and she writes for various different organizations. I think Kaiser News is one of them. This one comes from Washington Post, where she is talking about, have you named a trusted contact in your planning efforts? Who is a trusted contact and why you need to do that, particularly if you already have documents like wills and trusts and powers of attorney. If they're already in place, do you really need 
a trusted contact to be named in your financial portfolio. We'll talk about that. So those are the stories that kind of caught my eye, right? I mean, this is every week when I take a look at it and say, what's interesting? What do we need to have people focus on? If I could just have you focused on two or three things uh, that could make your retirement a little bit better, what would those be? Well, those are the stories we bring. And you can go to agingoptions.com, take a look at the blog section under the free resources, and each week we bring them out. So these are the stories that I'm going to talk about. But what do you want to talk about? Are you aging? Are you thinking about retirement? Do you have questions about what is a safe harbor trust and how does it work? Uh, I've been getting a lot of calls. You know, I have been getting uh, a few emails from listeners who've been listening to the show for many years. That, Rajiv, you don't seem to talk about the safe harbor trust. Is it no longer valid? Is it no longer good? And the short answer is... It is extremely valid, and given the first story, we'll talk about the Medicare debacle or the Medicare peril that we are going to be facing here pretty soon. It becomes even more important that we take a look at the Safe Harbor Trust. Do you have a question about that? What is the Safe Harbor Trust? Do you want to know something about, you know, are you, fin- are you financially ready to retire? Do you have a question about how do you tell when to retire, when not to retire? Uh, how about housing? Uh, how about healthcare? All anything that touches retirement, we can talk to you about that. The numbers are the the phone lines are open, and the number to call would be one eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. That's eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. Join the conversation. Just don't sit on the sidelines listening to the stories. Join the conversation because your question could be important to thousands of other people. And that's the interesting thing. You know, one person calling is probably speaking for thousands of other people who are listening to the same show at the same time. So don't feel shy. Just give us a call, 800-465-8770. So let's get to the story, should we? Uh, the first story is, again, Medicare, as we know it, could be dead by 2026. So how do we know Medicare? Medicare turns out it has three different components to Medicare. There's a, there's a component of Medicare that pays for hospital bills and for all the big procedures. If you have a heart attack, if you have cancer, you need to go through the hospital. The inpatient uh, care that you end up getting, uh, the in-hospital in care that you end up getting, that is all covered by Medicare Part A as an apple. Then there is out-of-hospital, uh, out-of-facility services. There you will see routine doctor visits and outpatient uh, therapy that you end up getting. That's all covered under Medicare Part B. And then there's the drug coverage that you end up getting. And if you mush Part A and Part B into one part, that then becomes Part C as in Charlie. And that is called Medicare Advantage Plan. So what, what this article is talking about is that Medicare Part A, which is funded a little differently, and they keep track of how much money is there to go ahead and take care of Medicare Part A. But turns out by 2026, Medicare Part A is expected, the funds in Medicare Part A, in the trust fund, are expected to be depleted. And now that thing is the Medicare Part A is funded by 2.9% payroll tax, and, 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 you know, typically if you're an employee, you're going to pay 1.45% of it. Uh, the higher earners may pay a little bit more, but typically that's what you would pay, and the employer kicks in an equal amount. There's a match, and that money goes into this, this trust fund, and this trust fund then, if you end up in the hospital post-retirement, post-Medicare eligibility, this is the, the money that will cover your hospital bills. It's a great benefit. Make no mistake about that. 
But what happens if the money runs out? That means will all the hospitals shut down and everything happen? Well, it turns out not. It'll still have, I mean, uh, 91% of the expenses are covered not by the money that comes from the trust fund. 91% of the money comes from the contributions that employees are making. So what happens in 2026, if Congress doesn't fix anything, and I don't see any movement towards them fixing either Social Security or Medicare, hopefully that will change after the next election cycle or after the next presidential election cycle. Somebody will wake up and say, hey, we are getting close to the precipice now, and we need to do something about it. So hopefully they'll do something about it. But if they don't do anything about it, what will happen? What will happen really is that hospitals are going to only be able to count on about 91% of what they're getting by way of reimbursement. Is that all a bad thing? I don't know. I don't know the hospital economics, but I do know the way that is going to impact you and I, the consumer, is that unless until we have a really good supplemental insurance policy or we somehow are able to make some of it up, it will become an obstacle. I don't think that the healthcare is going to go away. But it will become an obstacle, and the quality of care may start to suffer because the money is not there to go ahead and provide all the services. What is the hospital going to do when you only get 90 cents on the dollar of what you want to go ahead and collect? Well, it turns out the hospitals never collect the full dollar amount that they want to soak you and I with if we don't have insurance. I mean, if you and I don't have insurance, you go for a procedure, you, you and I may end up paying Tens of thousands of dollars for that procedure. For example, if I want to get an MRI, I want to pay privately, I may end up paying about $14,000 to get that MRI. But if I have an insurance policy, the insurance company may only pay $2,500. I mean, so that's already out there in the, in the, in the, in the, in the medical world. But what this will, in my opinion, end up doing is to cause the hospitals to say, well, we're only getting 90 cents on the dollar to start cutting costs. And these hospitals and the medical industry is run by MBAs and business people. It's not run by doctors or, or, or the medical providers, people who sincerely care about your health and my health. They're not the ones generally in charge of what the hospital does. I mean, I, I have so many physician friends of mine. They're always lamenting the fact that they're getting pushed more and more and more, that you, you can't spend so much time with the patient. You need to see more patients. You need to stop talking. You need to write your notes. I mean, all that stuff is going to add up, and I think this is what's going to happen is that the quality of care is going to go down. So what can you do? First, you know, head over to agingoptions.com. Take a look at this story and read the source story, which comes from Kiplinger. I think they've done a really good job, and they, they, they talk about the author of this, this article talks about, you know, five different ways we can fix it. One is to, you know, we can fix this problem by raising the eligibility date from 65 to 67. The full retirement age for Social Security now is going to be 67 pretty soon for everyone who's born after 1961. Why don't we do the same thing for Medicare? But that could have, and they'd go through the pros and cons of the whole thing. They also talk about um, maybe we have ear where we have a particular tax that is earmarked only for this stuff, and we are not going to have the money go into into the general fund. So there is a Medicare surtax that people pay if you earn more than two hundred thousand dollars as a single uh, uh, tax filer, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars for married or jointly filed tax returns. You have a 3.8% tax that is levied on investment income, such as dividends and such. 
And the proposal is, why don't we take that tax money and put it towards just the Medicare Part A to shore it up? And, of course, there are advantages, disadvantages. The biggest disadvantage is you're not really fixing the problem. You're just shifting the money here and there. So take a look at that. Another one is, uh, you know, we have a system where if you have traditional Medicare and you have Medicare Advantage, if I'm a physician and I'm accepting both traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage, I get paid more under the Medicare Advantage program than I get paid under the traditional Medicare program. And that was by design. We said that we want people to adopt Medicare Advantage, so we will give the providers, doctors, hospitals, service providers, uh, an, an incentive to accept Medicare Advantage. So sometimes when you're saying, oh, my doctor doesn't accept traditional Medicare, it's because that outfit has made a decision. We are not going to work with Medicare, traditional Medicare. We'll only take Medicare Advantage. But how about if we just bring them both parallel rather than raise Medicare, traditional Medicare reimbursed rates? How about bringing down the reimbursed rates for, for Medicare Advantage? Clearly the medical community knows how to deal with traditional Medicare and they can deal with the same rates regardless as to which insurance they're coming from. Another idea is how about negotiating drug prices? And that is just a, a no-brainer to me as to why we have this this, this uh, as a society, this push that we don't want to negotiate drug prices if you're the government. You have to pay an obscene amount of money to drug companies. But the drug companies can go make all sorts of deals with, with insurance companies as long as you're not in Medicare. And the same drug you would, in the insurance company would get a whole lot less. But if you're the government, you're going to have to pay the whole price, the full rack. Doesn't make any sense. And then last is, you know, uh, we take a look at maybe shift to a defined contribution plan, the least of my, my, the least favorite of my options. So there are definitely options and there's something you can do. So what can you do about the whole thing? Read this article. And if you're at all, uh, civic minded, call your senators. Yep, call Patty Murray, call whoever your representative is, call these people who are there in, in the government representing us and tell them that they need to move this up, way up on the on the specter of something that needs to get done. So that's the first story that we had. Look, the phone lines are still open. If you have any questions, this is your show, right? I mean, I'll keep talking about stories that I think that are important, but I need you to be part of the show. This is your show. Give us a call, 800-465-8770, 800-465-8770. If you want to just discuss this Medicare story or anything else you have on your mind, give us a call. We can talk about it. Uh, let, let's get some business done up here. You know, we've got some seminars coming up. We do these seminars. And, my God, am I? are we all looking forward to not having the mass mandate after March 12th? Isn't that? We're one of the last states to have the mass mandate. And I think this will be great. So with that, if you've been holding off, I don't want to go to a seminar. You're avoiding the large crowds, etc. cetera. Uh, we still don't have very large crowds coming, but we do still offer the the retirement seminars or the life planning seminars. Head over to lifepointlaw.com and register for one of two seminars coming up. One is on uh, on March 12th in Olympia at the Governor Hotel. Uh, it's going to be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And the other one is going to be on March 19th, also a Saturday, in on a, in, in Federal Way on our, on our main campus up there at 1 o'clock. And these are free seminars. All you have to do is to go to AG, uh, to go to lifepointlaw.com and register for one of the two upcoming seminars, and we can catch you there. And I promise you, you'll get world-class education that you don't get anywhere else. 
And if Tariq was here, you know what he'd be saying is that let's go to the world famous. No, 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 not the world famous. Let's go to the universe famous segment of the show. What year was it? So here's some clues. There's a little game that we play. Hopefully you're enjoying it and you have fun with it. I, from time to time, I get somebody with a chuckle or some line. So I know uh, people are enjoying this show. So this week's what year was it was. Take a guess. What year was it when Chernobyl, the uh, Chernobyl exploded? Not in a good way. Top Gun dominated the box office. Average car in this year cost ten thousand dollars for ten thousand dollars you could get an average brand new car and this was the most popular song of the year yeah you can hear it singing in your head can't you yeah this was genesis invisible touch and this was either 1984 85 or 86 take a guess we'll give you the answer at the at close to the 11 o'clock hour and we'll give you that answer. Take a guess. Was it 1984, 85, or 86? We'll take our first break. We'll be back, hopefully, with your questions on aging options. 800-465-8770 is the number for you to dial. You can reach us, and we will talk to you right after this break. It's your turn to join the program. Give us a call at 800-465-8770. Once again, that toll-free number is 800-465-8770. Aging Options will be right back after this. Does someone you love need care in the home? An elderly parent or relative? A spouse dealing with a long-term illness? Maybe a family member facing a disability? HomeWatch Caregivers can help. With more than 40 years of experience providing compassionate care, HomeWatch Caregivers is America's oldest and most experienced home care company. We know what to do, we know how to help, and we know how to make care affordable. Whether you need help on a full-time basis or just a few hours a week, our trained and experienced caregivers are matched to meet your needs. We can even help with access to on-call physician support along with in-home care. Why not let our family take care of yours? HomeWatch Caregivers, Western Washington's best home care. Call us today at 253-564-1006 to schedule your free consultation. That's 253-564-1006, 253-564-1006, or visit us on the web at homewatchcaregivers.com. Homewatch Caregivers, let our family take care of yours. You know, I'm not a wealthy person, but I'd like to leave a little something to my kids when I'm gone. Actually, there's someone who gets first shot at your assets when you die, before your kids can even touch them, the tax collector and creditors. I don't know much about estate and inheritance taxes. I've heard about changes in tax laws, but it's a little complicated, so I just try not to worry about it. Far too often, the cost of probate and estate taxes forces children to sell off their parents' assets, leaving little for them. I'd at least like for them to have this house. After all, they grew up here and... We'd like to keep it in the family. They say you can't take it with you. <laughs> I just didn't realize it was the tax collector who said it. The elder law attorneys at LifePoint Law understand probate and estate taxes. They know how to protect your assets and your legacy. You can trust LifePoint Law and Rajiv Nagayach. Call 877-ELDER-47. That's 877-ELDER-47. 
This is Rajiv Nagaj. With over a decade of experience practicing elder law, without hesitation, I can say that traditional estate planning can prove to be a recipe for disaster. Simply having a will or trust, powers of attorney, and living will does not fully protect your assets or help keep you out of institutional care settings or prevent your incapacity from becoming a burden on your loved ones. Join me at the next seminar and let me show you how to avoid the mistakes I see too many retirees make in planning for retirement today. Meet Rajiv Nagayich and ask questions at his next live seminar, Saturday, March 12th in Olympia or Saturday, March 19th in Federal Way. For more information, make your free reservation at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. That's online at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. Again, 253-838-3454. Call now. You guys have both given me just outstanding information that I could research and head further in, and uh, I get a lot of advice uh, listening to your show, plus the two times I've called you, and I do appreciate it. And welcome back to Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagaish talking to you about all things aging. If you're aging, you probably have a lot of questions about aging. Look, uh, but you know how whether I should be looking at health insurance. We talked about the Medicare article. Medicare really is in trouble. Medicare Part A, the trust fund that covers that, running out of money. We got a challenge up there. Uh, if you have any questions about aging, how to deal with health care, housing, finance, legal. Call us, 800-465-8770, and certainly head over to agingoptions.com. Look at the blogs. We put stories up there, and uh, we can certainly educate you about planning. And the last, not the least, go to one of the seminars. I mean, you get a lot of good education about how to plan for your retirement, but despite all the planning, there's about a 70% chance that as you grow old, you'll end up in either a nursing home or you will become a burden on your family members, or will, or you will lose money to uncovered medical and long-term care expenses. And for some of them, it'll be bad enough that it'll wipe you out financially. You don't want any of these outcomes. I can show you exactly. We can show you how you can avoid all these outcomes. Very doable, but you have to take charge of all of that. Go to lifepointlaw.com and register for one of the upcoming seminars. So with that, let's go to our, our callers. We have Peter from Woodenville. Peter, welcome to Aging Options. How can I help? What's in your mind? Hello, Rajiv. Um, hey, in this state, we're very fortunate in the way of senior housing to have group homes. Many states don't allow them. Group homes are where yep. up to six people can occupy a residence. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Yep. Currently, yep. the state has a six-month backup on licensing of these homes, which is a tremendous expense that ultimately gets passed on to the to the elderly or the family of the elderly. Um, what happens is you have to have done all of the improvements to the home, and then and then you have the inspectors come in, and then you wait mm-hmm. six months, and so you're giving up somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to ten thousand dollars a month in revenue times six people times six months and it just it drives up the cost of housing absolutely it does and and you know it, it happened with the pandemic of course all the government offices shut down and you can go down to any of the offices and get any work expedited and and it, it just added to the cost of the whole thing so i think the point that you're making is 
that these are issues that we are dealing with. This is the pandemic time, whether it is real or whether it is phantom, whether it is just made up, it's a good excuse for someone to say, look, we, we are now taking longer. Um, and if you are wanting to open a group home, which is what you are seeming to do, uh, then you just have to take that into account as you do your financial uh, equation to take into the finances into account. Uh, there's little that I know of. I mean, I, I've, I deal with this from time to time. People who are running adult family homes, they want to get either a new home and they want to open it up. A little bit easier for them. But if you're a brand new player in the marketplace, you have to go through the whole process and the government is not going to bend over backwards trying to go ahead and accommodate you just because you happen to be spending your own money. Um, well, so I don't know whether there's a real good answer to that. Go ahead. They say they don't have enough employees, and it seems to me they could just raise the fee for the inspection. You know, triple it. It doesn't really matter when you compare it against the idea of waiting six months. And right. incidentally, I'm a, it's my mother who's a customer. I am, I'm not the guy. It's my mother's a customer. And the group home that my mother is in currently is closing largely because of the exploded real estate values. And so right. the person with the home is, you know, off to make a million bucks in capital gain and is no longer interested in running a group home. So we found another one, and the guy's got it all ready to go, but he's waiting on licensing for months and months and months. Right. It's needless. Right. I mean, it's, 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 these inspections are smoke detectors and, you know, not very complicated things. And every, Absolutely. every day, builder could look at it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but, you know, from a consumer, from Peter, your perspective, you got a mom who needs to get into a home. Uh, the suggestion that I'd give you is get a hold of some placement agent who can show you around, not just one, but several of these places. Sounds like you have a good bead on how to look for these places. But if you want oh, to cut true. short the time, go ahead. Yes. We actually did work with one of those placement people. She's great. Yeah. No, no yeah. troubles whatsoever. Yeah, but if yeah, you're yeah. if you're start to, to 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 focus your search down on something that's in your area and or within your price range or has a similar group of people in it, you know, who have similar disabilities, then the focus gets pretty small pretty fast. Yep. And uh, yep. Anyway, I thought you might have some great idea on how we could get the government to hurry up. Yeah, I, I wish I did. I have zero ideas on how to get the government to do anything. And that's the purpose of the show is to say, if you wait for the government to do the right thing, you and I will be 580 years of age and we still will not get to that conclusion. It is much better to say what I can do for myself, I'm going to take responsibility. Because a lot of these issues oh, yeah. that happen, we could have planned for a better outcome than we end up dealing with. And that's the whole point that I make on the radio show. You can do better if you take responsibility and say, the heck with the government, the heck with the big businesses. They've got their agendas. Yep. What is my agenda? But I can't. I want to grow old I'm not allowed, and have a good I'm, life. I'm not, allowed, I'm not allowed to put my mother in a non-licensed facility. So they're actually in the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I so appreciate the call, Peter, and I think you make a lot of good sense. And then as, as you keep going forward, you know, keep us posted as to how things are coming and, 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 uh, call us check in from time to time. But I certainly appreciate the call that you have and, and, uh, right. power to you to go ahead and try and make something happen with this. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Peter. Hey, John, you bet. Yeah. And, you know, that's literally, these are some of the things, the things that, that come to my mind are, obviously mom is in the adult family home and Peter has, uh, he is proactively looking at all these issues. Without Peter, mom is going to be in a much dire state. But looking at 
through mom's perspective, would she ever have thought that as she grew old, she would end up in a adult family home or a nursing home or a care facility? I, I would almost want to bet at least one dollar that mom never wanted to go to a nursing home, never wanted to go to an adult family home. But what is the plan around the whole thing? Right. And, and generally speaking, there is no plan. So uh, if you have a question, if you want to talk about how to avoid this, how not to become the mom who ends up in the adult family home, what 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 steps we could have taken early on? There's a lot we could have done to avoid some of these outcomes. But the phone lines are open, uh, 800-465-8770, and you can join the call. And that's exactly what June is doing. So let's go to June. June, welcome to Aging Options. How can Oh, it's Jane. Sorry about that. My bad. Uh, oh, Jane? It's Jan. <laughs> Jan. It's neither June nor Jane. It is Jan. Jan, welcome to Aging Options. How can I help? Well, first of all, thank you for being there for people. We all need this so badly. Uh, mine's an estate planning issue. I'm older. Um, and I keep reading and have listened to you before. But never dealt with it. It's just one question. Um, the difference between an irrevocable trust and then do it, working with someone for a limited family trust, um, I just would like to know the pros and cons. And I have a few in my mind, but I was wondering if you could give some. So, uh, Jen, I'm very familiar with what an irrevocable trust is, but a limited trust, I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm understanding that terminology. There's, generally speaking, there's a revocable trust. It's where you have some control and you put it as a, it's almost a family business. Um, Got it. Family limited partnerships, family limited LLCs, that sort of stuff. That's probably what they call it, a limited family partnership trust. Correct. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, those are great questions. The irrevocable trust, I know you can't change it once you do it, um, but I hear that the taxes that you pay yearly are higher on them, and that's what is, I was just wondering if you knew of that, that you have the yearly taxes on on money-producing property. Yeah, and it it all depends. So, the, so yeah, you hear a lot about these types of things, and some of what you hear may be true, and some of what you hear may not be true, depending as to which way you go. So let's take the last issue that you talked about, and then we'll be headed to a break, and then after the break I'll give you a more complete answer. The short answer to your last comment you made that taxes are much higher on trusts, uh, that is on its face a true statement. If the trust was to pay taxes on income, it will reach the highest tax bracket as soon as it gets to about $12,000 a year in earned income. You and I, as individuals, would not reach that tax, uh, tax threshold of the highest tax rate till we earn about $380,000 in income. So it is true. But who is to say that the, ta- the trust cannot be written in such a way that the tax consequence can be deflected to individuals. And most good attorneys who are going to be dealing with this issue will actually dig into that issue, that if you're going to be putting income-producing assets into a trust, then probably you do not want the trust to hold on to the income 
because of the tax brackets, and you can you can basically create a conduit trust, or you can create some sort of a mechanism for the income every year to be given to certain individuals who would be the beneficiaries, and the tax consequence can then flow to those beneficiaries. There's lots of ways you can go about doing it. Your other question about what is the difference between an irrevocable trust and a family limited partnership. And I think you're talking about both of these concepts in estate tax planning context. So we'll take our break. We are right at the break now or a little bit over. And when we come back, I'm going to go ahead and answer that question. And you, yeah, who's listening to the show, if you have a question, 800-465-8770, you can be right behind Jan and we can talk to you also. Uh, before we go, let's do the what year was it? And Jan, I'm going to ask you to take a guess when we come back. What year was it when Chernobyl plant actually exploded? Top Guns dominated the box office. The average car in this year, brand new car, cost $10,000. And this was the most popular song of the year. So the year was either 1984, 85, or 86. When we come back, Jan, your guess, and then we will get to your question. We'll be back after this break. We're here to take your questions. The number to call is 800-465-8770. Once again, that toll-free number is 800-465-8770. Rajiv and Tarek will be right back after this. Safe, independent living in comfortable surroundings. That's where we all want to be. It's no different for your parents and other elderly relatives, even as they age. How do you make it easier for them to stay in the home they love by bringing the care to them? HomeWatch Caregivers can help. With more than 40 years of experience providing compassionate care, HomeWatch Caregivers is America's oldest and most experienced home care company. We know what to do, we know how to help, and we know how to make care affordable. When you compare the cost and benefits of home care to nursing homes or other institutional settings, you'll be amazed at just how affordable in-home care can be. HomeWatch Caregivers, Western Washington's best home care. HomeWatch Caregivers. Call us today at 253-564-1006 to schedule your free consultation. That's 253-564-1006 or visit us on the web at homewatchcaregivers.com. Call us today at 253-564-1006. HomeWatch Caregivers, let our family take care of yours. You know, I'm not a wealthy person, but I'd like to leave a little something to my kids when I'm gone. Actually, there's someone who gets first shot at your assets when you die, before your kids can even touch them, the tax collector and creditors. I don't know much about estate and inheritance taxes. I've heard about changes in tax laws, but it's a little complicated, so I just try not to worry about it. Far too often, the cost of probate and estate taxes forces children to sell off their parents' assets, leaving little for them. I'd at least like for them to have this house. After all, they grew up here, and we'd like to keep it in the family. They say you can't take it with you. (laughs) I just didn't realize it was the tax collector who said it. The elder law attorneys at LifePoint Law understand probate and estate taxes. They know how to protect your assets and your legacy. You can trust LifePoint Law and Rajiv Nagayach. Call 877-ELDER-47. That's 877-ELDER-47. 
This is Rajiv Nagaj. With over a decade of experience practicing elder law, without hesitation, I can say that traditional estate planning can prove to be a recipe for disaster. Simply having a will or trust, powers of attorney, and living will does not fully protect your assets or help keep you out of institutional care settings or prevent your incapacity from becoming a burden on your loved ones. Join me at the next seminar and let me show you how to avoid the mistakes I see too many retirees make in planning for retirement today. Meet Rajiv Nagayich and ask questions at his next live seminar, Saturday, March 12th in Olympia or Saturday, March 19th in Federal Way. For more information, make your free reservation at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. That's online at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. Again, 253-838-3454. Call now. There are so many issues involved in aging that you cannot possibly even begin to think of them all. But if you go to an aging options seminar, they will tell you a lot of information that will help you a great deal. And welcome back to Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagaj talking all things aging. Just before the break, we asked a question about what year was it when the Chernobyl plant exploded, Top Gun dominated the box office, and the average brand new car cost $10,000. Do you have a guess, Jan? What year was that? Was it 84, 85, or 86? I'm guessing 86. Okay, well, we'll get to the answer at the bottom of the hour towards the 11 o'clock hour, and then we'll see whether you're right or wrong. So, Jan, you were asking about the difference between an irrevocable trust and a family-limited partnership or some entity planning. Both these concepts that you're talking about generally are employed when somebody is trying to deal with estate tax issues. So what the heck is the estate tax issue? You have more than $2.2 million in the state of Washington, the government really wants you to have more than 2.2 because they say that when you pass away, the first 2.2 you can leave to your children uh, totally tax-free. The exact number is $2.193 million, by the way, but close enough to $2.2 million. You can leave to your family members or people other than charities tax-free. But the rest of it, the government says, we would like to share in that bounty and we will collect a 10 to 20% tax somewhere between that, depending on the assets you have in excess of 2.2. So then the game becomes, well, I don't want to pay the government any more taxes than we have to. And there was a very famous quote in, in, in law that most of us estate planning attorneys are familiar with. There was a guy called Judge Learned Hand who declared in a case that there is no patriotic duty for any American to pay any more taxes than they have to. And so that's what we follow. I don't want to pay any more taxes. How do I go about doing it? And there are two concepts that are generally applied. I mean, there are all sorts of concepts, but the two big concepts are irrevocable trust and entity-based planning, things like uh, family-limited partnerships, family-limited LLCs or something like that. So how do they work? With an irrevocable trust, typical uh, the typical application of that trust is that you are saying that, okay, I've got a $3 million estate. I'm a single person. If I die, the first 2.2 is tax-free. $800,000 uh, will, will, will be subject to a tax. So how about if I take $800,000 out of my estate now and I transfer it into an ir- irrevocable trust? It's a trust whereby I give up being able to enjoy the fruits of this money 
as long as I'm living and when I'm dead. But I don't want to give the money to my children. I want somewhat control, at least the management of it, make sure that this money is going to grow properly, be invested properly, and then when I'm dead and gone, the trust will go away and the money will go to whoever the beneficiaries are. And so you will make something called, the concept is called a completed gift to an irrevocable trust, and when you pass away, the money that's going to be sitting in this trust is not going to be part of your estate. And therefore, you have avoided state taxes. So the application of an irrevocable trust generally is when you're putting a set amount of money into the trust. On the other hand, you may say, no, I don't want to give up control over that money. What else is there? Are there any other ways that I can lower the value of a $3 million estate to something less than $3 million for tax purposes? And that's where the limited partnerships come in. That's where the limited LLCs come in. And here's what the theory is. If you're holding all these assets in your name, then they are worth really the $3 million that they, the market says they're valued at. So how about if we put the money into some sort of a uh, limited liability company or we create a partnership? And partnership was the old concept. Today, more and more lawyers are migrating towards LLCs because they're a little bit more flexible, malleable and easy to go ahead and track, work with for tax purposes. So you put all your assets that you have in, into this LLC. Now, there has to be a business interest you have to then end up creating. And what you do with the LLC is if all you did was put $3 million into the LLC, there's no difference. You're still in control. You can still sell all the property. So it's still worth $3 million. And then you say, no. So what I'm going to now do to bring the value down, I will give some of these shares to my family members. I'll, I'll retain a controlling interest in it, but I will give some of the shares to my, my family members who will eventually be inheriting it. And what that does is that you no longer are the only person who owns and controls the property. And then we will write up these LLCs or partnership agreements and say that if you need to sell this property or sell what's in this LLC, you have to work as a group, as a team, as a business, and you have to get everyone's permission on a piece of paper that you are able to sell it. And if you do sell it, I doubt if anyone will want to be in business with your children. And so the two concepts IRS recognizes is that once you put property into a trust or a LLC, not a trust, but an LLC or a partnership, and you give a share of that LLC or partnership to other people, could be children, could be anyone else. You no longer have control, 100% control of the property. And the market value of the property has gone down because nobody will want to buy the property in partnership with whoever your partners are. So lack of marketability, lack of control. And depending as to how we write it up, we can then have an appraiser appraise this LLC with this new structure and generally get somewhere between a 25 to 40% discount. So if I get a 40% discount, a $3 million estate, all of a sudden, I, I will send a letter out to the IRS and say, uh, here's, by the way, an appraisal that was done by somebody, and they think that this property today, the way that it's structured, is worth $1.8 million. Why? Because I took a 40% discount. And the IRS is given 90 days to go ahead and either accept that or not accept that, and if they don't accept that, they'll tell you what structural changes you need to make and make the changes. But now you have a letter from the IRS that says you will never have to worry about valuing this at any more than an X percent of the total market value when the day that you die. So that's how these things work. Both of them are quite complicated. Both of them are extremely effective. 
under the right conditions. So depending as to how large your estate is, Jan, you may want to think about, are there easier ways that you can go about doing it? And for that, you know, go see a good uh, estate planning attorney and my good friend Bob Pittman out in Tacoma. I mean, you've heard him on this show. When I'm out, he's, he's the one that I go to talk. And he does this type of work day in and day out. If you have any questions, Bob Pittman would be the person that I would be going to. Or you can start with us and we can co-op Bob into this venture and have him help you out. Does that answer your questions, uh, Jan? Ab- absolutely, it does. Back to the one comment you made that you said where nobody would be interested in buying it. Yeah. Um, being the value of some farms now, that's not true. People would like to be involved, um, and they just buy them. And, and so that is one little area that people need to be careful of, right. uh, thinking that people wouldn't want to buy something that was owned by other people. But I, I know that they wouldn't. They would love to buy it themselves, you know, totally out. But there are companies now buying stuff up like that. Absolutely, and uh, but the companies also will buy out all the partners. They won't just buy your share and leave those partners in the company. Generally speaking, that's that's the reason why the IRS says we'll give you a discount because nobody in their right mind will want to do business right. with Jan's children. And right. so, yeah, but you're right. They'll buy them out all day, all day long. So that's stuff yep. going on. Thank you, Jan, for the call. Uh, we you. so appreciate it. And uh, keep listening. I'll give you the answer towards the 11 o'clock hour. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Jan. And that leaves the line open. If you have any questions, give us a call, 800-465-8770. And Paul, talking about, you know, the question that Jan had, we had a similar question from Milinko from University Place. What was that question? Yeah, uh, the, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that leads in perfectly. Uh, he wanted to know the difference between a revocable and irrevocable trust, and then he was curious what who might need these what 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 situation does a person find themselves in that they might need either the revocable or the irrevocable trust right and so jan got us down the estate tax planning but that's such a basic question when we come back after the break i'll give you the answer what is a revocable trust what is irrevocable who needs it and how are they best used and we'll talk about that when we come back after the break but in the meantime what year was it when the chernobyl plant exploded Top Gun dominated the box office. The average new car in America cost $10,000, and this was the most popular song of the year. Yep, it was either 1984, 85, or 86. Jan guessed 1986. We'll see if she's right. And what is your guess? You can call and give Paul your answer if you want to do that. Phone lines are open, 800-465-8770. Your last chance on today's show to get your question answered. 800-465-8770. Back after this break. Now's your last chance to call into the show. The toll-free number is 800-465-8770. Once again, dial 800-465-8770. Rajiv and Tariq will be right back with more aging options right after this. You know, I'm not a wealthy person, but I'd like to leave a little something to my kids when I'm gone. Actually, there's someone who gets first shot at your assets when you die, before your kids can even touch them, the tax collector and creditors. I don't know much about estate and inheritance taxes. I've heard about changes in tax laws, but it's a little complicated, so I just try not to worry about it. 
Far too often, the cost of probate and estate taxes forces children to sell off their parents' assets, leaving little for them. I'd at least like for them to have this house. After all, they grew up here, and we'd like to keep it in the family. They say you can't take it with you. I just didn't realize it was the tax collector who said it. The elder law attorneys at LifePoint Law understand probate and estate taxes. They know how to protect your assets and your legacy. You can trust LifePoint Law and Rajiv Nagayach. Call 877-ELDER-47. That's 877-ELDER-47. This is Rajiv Nagaj. With over a decade of experience practicing elder law, without hesitation, I can say that traditional estate planning can prove to be a recipe for disaster. Simply having a will or trust, powers of attorney, and living will does not fully protect your assets or help keep you out of institutional care settings or prevent your incapacity from becoming a burden on your loved ones. Join me at the next seminar and let me show you how to avoid the mistakes I see too many retirees make in planning for retirement today. Meet Rajiv Nagayach and ask questions at his next live seminar, Saturday, March 12th in Olympia, or Saturday, March 19th in Federal Way. For more information, make your free reservation at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. That's online at lifepointlaw.com or call 253-838-3454. Again, 253-838-3454. Call now. Safe, independent living in comfortable surroundings. That's where we all want to be. It's no different for your parents and other elderly relatives, even as they age. How do you make it easier for them to stay in the home they love by bringing the care to them? HomeWatch Caregivers can help. With more than 40 years of experience providing compassionate care, HomeWatch Caregivers is America's oldest and most experienced home care company. We know what to do, we know how to help, and we know how to make care affordable. When you compare the cost and benefits of home care to nursing homes or other institutional settings, you'll be amazed at just how affordable in-home care can be. HomeWatch Caregivers, Western Washington's best home care. HomeWatch Caregivers. Call us today at 253-564-1006 to schedule your free consultation. That's 253-564-1006 or visit us on the web at homewatchcaregivers.com. Call us today at 253-564-1006. HomeWatch Caregivers. Let our family take care of yours. Listen to the show every week. You guys do a great job. We were in Portland heading south, and we are about 20 miles southwest of Salem, Oregon, and you guys are coming in loud and clear. Well, there you have it. Whether you're in the Seattle area or in Portland, you can beam this great information onto your radio. You can also you can also gather us online. You know, so this, the live stream is always playing on mynorthwest.com, and you can go to agingoptions.com, and through the radio magic, you can get us there also. So a lot of people listen to us now all over the country because my clients have moved all over the place. Uh, just a reminder, a couple of things I want to do before we go to Linda, who is calling in from Seattle, is that on uh, the next Saturday, the next two Saturdays actually that are coming up, there are some seminars. If you are listening to the show, you kind of like the information you're getting, and you really like the ring off that, you know, yeah, life is kind of getting on. I'm getting older. And what I really want out of life is to be able to live a long, happy life, never end up in a nursing home, not become a burden, and not die broke. You want, you like the ring of that. 
then come to one of the two seminars that I do. The life planning seminars, they're absolutely free. The one that is coming up uh, next Saturday on the 12th is in Olympia at the Governor Hotel. And then after that, it'll be in, on our Federal Way campus on the 19th, both at 1 o'clock. Both don't cost you anything. All you have to do is to go to lifepointlaw.com and register for one of these two seminars. And with the, with the COVID mandate, the mass mandate down, uh, certainly I'd say, you know, we be careful. We'll still be really careful about uh, how we conduct the businesses and, and keep everyone safe up there. But it's about time that we get out and reclaim our lives that we have put on hold for almost about two years. So with that, let's go to the phone lines. Linda, welcome to Aging Options. How can I help you? Well, I was wondering, I heard there was such a thing called a credit shelter trust, and I wondered if you could explain that. Of course. You know, and then trusts come in all sorts of names, by the way. So a credit shelter trust is also a tax planning uh, mechanism, and the typical way that it works is uh, its best use is for married people. Are you married or are you single, Linda? Well, I'm widowed now. You widowed, okay. So the credit shelter trust typically works best if you and your husband were both living when you're doing the planning. Uh, and and uh, the way that it goes is this. Single or married doesn't matter. The way that it goes is this. You'll write up your will and you'll say that when I die, uh, if you were married, obviously you have to take into account you're living in a community property state. Community property state between two people means, a married couple means, 50% belongs to spouse one, 50% belongs to spouse two. Neither of the spouses have an obligation to leave the money to each other. And when you do a credit shelter trust, you're saying, and I'm choosing not to leave the money to, a, uh, to, to my spouse, I'm going to leave it to this credit shelter trust. Why would you want to do that? Because the joint value of the estate probably is more than $2.2 million. If you left the money to the other spouse, then the other spouse would end up with two point, with more than $2.2 million. And when then the other spouse dies, the first $2.2 million will go tax-free. Everything else will be subject to a 10 to 20% tax. And you say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to leave the money into a credit shelter trust for my spouse. And I'll make my spouse the beneficiary, and I'll also name my spouse to be the trustee. So the spouse can actually go into this trust, take out the money anytime he or she wants to, as long as they want to. But when the spouse dies, this money that's in the credit shelter trust cannot be considered to be the spouse two's part of the estate. And therefore, neither of the has exceeded the $2.2 million, and we were able to avoid probate, and while also the spouse two having total control of that money. There's some limitations that are put into the trust in that you can only use this money for health, education, maintenance, and support, nothing else. But I can't imagine uh, which truck I cannot drive through this huge hole of health, education, maintenance, support. So you really have good protection from taxes by using a credit shelter trust. So uh, go ahead. That's mainly what I wanted to know. Okay. So there's your... You're welcome. Thank you for calling and age on. Um, and, and that takes me to the other question that we had. The caller had called in, uh, Malenko and, and, and said that, uh, what is the difference How between about a, a, I'm sorry. Okay. So the, the caller had asked about what is a revocable trust? What is an irrevocable trust? And when do you use which ones? 
And since we are talking about legal, let's, let's continue that conversation. So a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust basically are concepts that revolve around who controls the trust and whether the control gives the person the ability to change the character of the trust at any point of time. If somebody has an irrevocable trust, the terms of the trust are set before the trust comes into being. So you would, it can come into being after a person passes away. It could come into being while the person is living. It could be done for tax purposes. I want to get some money out of my state, put it into an irrevocable trust. And from that point on, I will not be able to change the character of the trust, change the the conditions under which the trust is going to operate so the IRS cannot say I have control over this money enough to be able to bring it back into my estate. That could be one use of an irrevocable trust. Typically, irrevocable trusts are created either in wills or revocable living trusts. They come into being at the death of somebody. So what I was explaining uh, just a second ago about that there's a trust that's created, uh, the husband dies, leaves everything to a credit shelter trust. Well, that credit shelter trust did not come into being till the husband died. And the moment the husband died, this trust came into being and immediately became irrevocable. These are called testamentary trusts. And so a typical trust, uh, irrevocable trust, will be a testamentary trust. You would do it for tax purposes. You would do it for protecting the money from government benefits such as housing or food stamps or Medicaid benefits or long-term care benefits. And the safe harbor trust that I talk about is an example of an irrevocable trust. A revocable trust, on the other hand, is a simple device. The only purpose of the revocable living trust, for the most part, not the only one, but the major thrust of the revocable living trust, is to help make sure that when you die, your children or your heirs, who you're leaving the money to, they will not have to go through the court probate process. Other than avoiding probate, there is not a whole lot more that a revocable living trust does, in my opinion. Other attorneys may disagree and say, oh, no, it's so much better than than doing a will. Besides probate, it has other benefits. And in my opinion, those benefits are just minimal in nature. A revocable living trust is typically done when people gravitate and say, I do not want my children to go through probate. And the real question you should be asking is, just because I have a instrument that can help me avoid probate, is that the best use of of uh, of the estate planning tools? And the answer is, I. It all depends. For some people, a revocable living trust is absolutely the right idea. And for some people, maybe doing a will may be the better idea because when when you do a revocable living trust, it protects you from probate, but it does not protect any of the assets from the single biggest financial threat the average person in retirement will face, which is an uncovered medical illness. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, old age, none of that is covered. The cost for that can be from a few thousand dollars a month to up to eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month for every month you're living. And for that, you need a safe harbor trust, which has to be treated inside of a will. So these are good concepts. I think these are great questions you're asking. And the best thing I'd say is go to one of the seminars. Go to lifepointlaw.com and go to one of the seminars where I just break all this stuff down for you. That what pop culture tells us we should plan and how we actually should be planning, they may be two very different things. 
So that's our show today. I mean, I so appreciate the calls that we got today. We had uh, several calls, Peter, Jan, Linda, Milenko. You know, thank you all for calling and listening to the show. And, and if you have a question, call us next time. But in the meantime, I want to wrap up the show. What year was it when the Chernobyl plant exploded? Top Gun dominated the box office. Average new car cost $10,000 a year. And this was the most popular song of the year. And the year was either 1984, 85, or 86. Paul, I'm gonna what is say your guess? 85, but boy, does this song just embody everything about the 80s. I know, it's such an 80s song. That's right. And Jan said it was 1986. Uh, didn't have a chance to ask Linda what year was it. But if you thought it was 1984, you were wrong. If you thought 85, you were wrong. If you thought it was 1986, Jan, you are the winner. You did guess the year right. 1986, Invisible Touch by Genesis. But 86 is history, but 2086 is in our future. 2026 is in our future. How will you deal with those years? Go to lifepointlaw.com, sign up for one of the upcoming seminars. You can better your retirement. Listen, thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back on the same station, same time, same place next week. Till then, age on everyone. You're home for the all-new Brian Suits Morning Show, 770 KTTH Seattle, 94.5 K233 DT East Lake, 94.5 K233 BU.